Welcome to Real Native Roots Untold Stories, a podcast by Native Woman with Deep Roots. Yate, hello, welcome back. This is Vicki Oldman, your host. I am happy that we have three more days left of September. We will be going into October. This is my favorite time of year. I love the fall. I love the colors. I love what it offers us, a time to sort of go within and reflect. I love the cool, crisp weather uh, and then also like fires, uh, warm fires, pinyon season as well, having some pinions during, <laughs> during, during this time. Football started. I mean, there's just so much to be blessed about this, this time of year, which again is my favorite. And so I hope you all are doing well. And in all seriousness, a heartfelt message, I really, really hope you all are taking care of yourselves. Uh, you know, flu season's coming. Um, this nasty virus is still, still out there, you know, and I just hope that you do what you need to do to protect yourself and your family and your loved ones. You know, I'm still hearing of individuals um, in my professional circle and also um, classmates who have contracted the virus and also have, have gone to the next plane because of that. So it's still real and it's still scary. And I really hope that you all are taking all precautions. So I have recently um, asked sort of my guests uh, about their experience. And this one guest had shared with me, and I loved the feedback and that was I asked how should I change the format or anything you know and they said keep the format the same keep it Hawaiian style Hawaiian in my language uh the net language is Hogan is a home keep it the home style the Hawaiian style and you know uh, Hogan's um for us we still I mean that was our home we lived in it now most um Diné individuals use it for ceremony um for gatherings and it's a time and there's a fire in the middle so it's a round structure mud wood and super super warm in the in the winter time and super super cool in the summertime and there's a fire usually in the middle and so people kind of sit around and on the ground and close to mother earth and we just have conversation dialogue just natural no structure so that was the, the recommendation from one of the former guess is to keep it Hoa style. Other tribes would say teepee style, lodge style. So anyway, just wanted to share a little bit about that. So, all right, enough. I want to introduce our next guest. And when I think of her, I really feel like I could see her glowing. <laughs> She's, um, She's an amazing woman. I can't remember how we met, but I do remember the last time we met before we connected again. Um, she's definitely, uh, you know, if someone were to ask me to describe her, I would say she's a woman who knows who she is. And I find a lot of us sometimes are still trying to figure out who we are. And, you know, we're, all, we're evolving as these as beings, right? But she knows who she is. I also feel like she's wise beyond her years. Like when I was her age, I, I didn't have that much going on. <laughs> she's, she is what I would describe as a native Renaissance woman. 
seriously, like this woman, I haven't had the opportunity yet to have any of her cooking, but I know one day, well, uh, she's of course a wife, a mom, uh, and, uh, a daughter, she can fly fish. I, I can't wait to go fly fishing with her one day. And she um, has three degrees. She's working on her doctoral degree. She currently is the executive director of the Laguna Community Foundation. She speaks her language. She does policy work. I'm telling you, she does it all. And that's why I would say she's our sort of native Renaissance woman. <laughs> And I just appreciate her. I recently had the honor and opportunity to work on a little project, and we had so much fun. She's so creative. And in fact, um, the company that she also runs is Corn Pollen Consulting. I hired Corn Pollen Consulting to create Real Native Roots' logo, which is a whole other podcast. We got to talk a little bit about that. But the process was beautiful. And what she created for this podcast show, I love it. And I've gotten good feedback from people. And uh, actually, majority of the listeners, you all voted for that logo. (laughs) So anyway, without further ado, I wanted to introduce a friend, a sister, a colleague, um, just a beautiful soul, Joni Romero. Please say hello to our listeners. Hello, I'm Felicity Hopa. To everybody who's out there listening, I'm Joni Suina Romero. I'm from the Pueblo of Cochiti, and I'm the daughter of Lupita Suina and James Matthews. I identify as a Kutitima or a Kotiti person with Irish and French roots from my father's side, and my pronouns are she and hers. My Kojiri name is Corn Pollen or Hothawit, which is what most of my community knows me as. And I am Fox Clan. Uh, thank you again for being here. I, I was so looking forward to this time and uh, just to be with you. I always enjoy being in your space. And so I'm so glad that you're here. And um, so, yeah, I wanted to let's just start with you telling us a little bit more of who you are, like, how, how did Joni become this, I'm going to call you the Native Renaissance woman, <laughs> how you, be, how you uh, really came into who you are, and um, just tell us a little bit more about that. That would be, that would be wonderful. Wow, oh, thank you, Vicki. I just want to first say that I'm so honored to be here with you and to share space and to share some of my story and I um, had been thinking about this for the past several weeks since we scheduled it and just, um, you know, all the things that I want to share with the listeners and um, to share a little bit more about myself. Like I said, um, I am from the Pueblo of Cochiti. I'm of mixed heritage. I actually grew up in California. I have family that lives in the Bay Area and I grew up in a little town called Hollister. Um, And it wasn't until... I was in fifth grade that we returned to the reservation. Um, My mom raised me as a single parent. She was super driven, determined, hard worker, um, always grinding. She uh, retired several years ago from Indian Health Services. She was an RN for over 20 years and um, really was just committed to helping me to learn about what a strong woman is. 
how I am preparing myself as a Pueblo woman and how all of those cultural pieces are embedded into um, my own value system. And I think today as a mother, you know, I, my, my greatest the goal in life is to be able to raise my children with some of those um, values as well. A lot of people tell me, you do so many things. I don't know how you do it. And um, I'd like to believe that the secret is uh, the prayer and the thought, the faith and the belief that I have in myself and in my spirit and in my grounding as who I am meant to be and all of the things that I'm meant to carry out um, during my lifetime. That's so beautiful. I, I love, I love that. And wow, to have your mom um, really model and to also just pull, you know, pull out. I just have this vision of like pulling out really key values and, and embedding that in your, in your children. And somewhere I read, and it just made me think about that all of a sudden, somewhere I read um, where you had said, you know, I am a matriarch and I'm, I'm, I'm helping to kind of model or um, raise, I was sorry, raise the next generation of indigenous leaders. And when I read, when I saw that, I read it and I thought, she's talking about her children, you know, um, I think it's your children, but I also think it's other places that you, but that was the first notation as I was thinking when you are, when, when, you know, talking about values and your mom. And so thank you for that. And I love the, the secret, right? The secret of prayer and faith. And so tell us a little bit more about that. Um, and, you know, cause you, you, you did note like I, yeah, I do a lot. So a lot of these different roles and activities that you play and that you work in, what would you say is the hardest lesson that you've learned from, from, from just life and from all the things that you're doing and in, you know, using the secret that has helped you. Thank you for that question, Vicki. Um, yeah, and I, I will say also that, you know, in being able to accomplish all of the things that I've done and, and also the things that I failed at as well, um, it hasn't come without the continued love and support of my family, um, my husband, my children, my mother, my extended family, uh, my father, my everybody that's a part of my circle. Um, you know, they're my biggest cheerleaders. And so I couldn't do what I do without them. But um, going back to your question, I think it's really great to be able to look back on hardships and reflect on things that we have overcome. It's a reminder of that um, resiliency gene uh, that we carry. And I think as human beings and as Indigenous people, we are wired um, in many exponential ways for resilience. And I believe that there's also an epistemological aspect of this that's embedded within the kinds of tasks that we carry and one of the things that I was taught early on is that these tasks that um, we carry and that we um, make our journey upon throughout our lifetime 
are something that were laid out for us before we were even born. And so I always keep that in mind when um, I have, you know, experienced any kind of shortfalls um, that I am reminded that there's always a teaching lesson involved. And sometimes that teaching lesson, um, especially for our listeners out there who feel like, you know, they're doing all they can and they're not quite getting to where they need to be. But just that simple reminder of everything's laid out how it's supposed to be. And so sometimes that spiritual connection or reawakening is finding that love with ourselves, with our own spirit. And so I would say that one of the hardest lessons I've had to learn um, also has to do with healing. Um, and it how do you find healing in these times of hardship, uh, in tragedy and loss, and that this opportunity for healing isn't just found in the present day physical space or present day generations that are here on this earth right now that we can reach out to, but rather um, that there's another layer to it. And this layer is the spiritual layer and it's the other aspect of healing or the secret, I would say. And I say secret because I've read a lot of um, self-help books and I'm always looking to um, find more inspiration in the work that I do and how I mother my children, how I carry myself in all the roles that I uphold. And I think that sometimes it's easy to think about the here and now but for my um, own journey of healing, I have to point back to um, a timeline of a chain of events that happened in 2017. And so prior to 2017, I was um, the typical uh, mom trying to balance life and work. And at the time, I was a, um, trying to build myself as an entrepreneur. So I was... Um, selling traditional clothing and selling it in the community. Um, I was doing everything from having food sales out of my home to selling breakfast burritos at our school um, governor's office. I was also uh, hardcore academic trying to um, earn a degree and was also very active in my um, community of Kosidi. And what happened during this time as I was completing um, my degree at the University of Tulsa um, in their Master of Jurisprudence and Indian Law program was that I had been so heavily um, involved in researching case law and evaluating the ripple effects of how federal Indian law and policy has affected our communities and sort of doing this. Um, mind mapping of where um, policy has affected us on the social emotional aspect within our communities and looking at how um, the conditions of um, what we could consider illness from alcoholism to domestic violence to um, all of the other negative things that we see in our communities that how they can be directly tied back to um this timeline 
And simultaneously, because I've always been um, sort of an Indian ed buff, um, a teacher, former Paris language teacher and administrator. And at that time, I was also um, at the Institute of American Indian Arts, um, kind of embedding myself deeply into post-secondary uh, administration, teaching, and um, immersing myself in community. I also had the opportunity to um, participate in a number of different uh, training and development opportunities. And one of them was um, based out of Dickinson College in Carlisle, Pennsylvania. And I was slated to graduate from my master's program in May of that year. And a couple weeks prior to that, uh, we lost my nephew in a horrific car accident in Albuquerque um, that April. And it completely turned our world upside down in so many ways. Um, my children and our entire family were devastated by the loss. And it was just a couple of weeks later that we made this trip out to Tulsa so that I could participate in commencement. And I remember walking and, and receiving my degree and getting hooded. But I remember also feeling like this... Um, sort of emptiness and, and feeling a little bit depressed. Um, of course, the loss was really fresh, but at the same time, I felt like there was something that I needed to do, and it felt like it was a spiritual calling. Um, but I remember feeling so much emptiness, and I couldn't figure out or put my finger on what it was. Not just yet, um, that is. And then... That July, I had the opportunity to participate in a curriculum development institute based out of Dickinson College. Um, when I left to participate in this uh, training, I felt really depressed for my children and for my family um, because we continued to, of course, mourn for my nephew. But one of the to-dos on my list before I left New Mexico was to prepare some offerings to take to the present day location of the Carlisle Indian Industrial School. Many people don't know that today's present location is actually the Army War College. You have to get uh, government clearance to make a visit. Um, and there is a cemetery where there are 200 plus um, individuals who are buried there at the cemetery and one of those individuals um, out of the many children who came from all across the United States is a Kuski boy by the name of Pedro Sanchez. And so as a part of making my journey, I wanted to be mindful that um, even though I'd be heavily di diving into research and learning more about my lineage about myself um, and the family line that we carry um, as my husband and our children and myself were all descendants of survivors who attended Carlisle. So I was very mindful about these offerings that I was going to take. And when I say offerings, um, what I mean is that I prepared um, some of our uh, traditional 
uh, ways of prayer um, by visiting uh, Carlisle and these prayers um, then invoked, I would say, a spiritual awakening for me because after I left Carlisle and I had made those offerings, um, I had to hit the drawing board hard when I got home. And I felt like this gratitude for this amazing awakening that had happened. Um, while in Carlisle, I had a number of different experiences uh, that really helped me remember and um, even feel on many levels the pain, uh, the trauma, and the experience that Carlisle students had. And upon my return, I felt enlightened and I knew I had to do more to give back. But the power of energy in this story or my story that helped to remind me of my purpose and the opportunity for individuals to have their own kinds of spiritual reawakening is tied to, uh, again, my values as a public woman, how I carry myself, how I practice uh, care, and especially right now during the time of COVID when we're not able to participate in ceremony and we're social distancing. It's been a great um, new shift in life for me to be able to be more mindful of giving gratitude um, for life. And when I think back to that offering of cornmeal that I took to Carlisle, you know, it wasn't just an inanimate object that I was carrying in the palm of my hand, but it was full of life. It was the corn that we ground on a grinding stone that has been around for generations before us that I can even tell you where it was handed down from or who it belonged to um, several generations back. It was my daughters and I who um, collectively uh, grounded the um, corn. And it was the seeds of our ancestors who planted in our homelands and who continuously passed on our ways through our language, our culture, and our ceremony. And it was these very granules of corn that made their way to Carlisle to honor, to acknowledge, and to feed all of those who were lost to Carlisle. So when I think about um, spiritualism, our reawakening, our continued emergence and healthy living, I think one of the things that I will say as a part of learning this lesson has been that we must think about how healing ourselves and our place in the universe has to be about restoring also the spiritual relationship that we have with not only ourselves, but with our relatives, with our community, and with Sutra Anaya or our mother yeah i appreciate you uh sharing your story and um and what it's offered it i 
I I love what you said in the beginning of your story about um, that we all have a path <laughs> that's already sort of already mapped out. And as I'm here, as I'm thinking of that and putting what your story comes to say, like you know, we all have gone through some trauma, different types of trauma, emotional mm-hmm. trauma, physical trauma, and the that trauma sometimes it leads us to another opening and you know an opportunity for restoring as you're using your word restoring and kind of coming back to to self in a different way and i'm curious to know like as as you've gone through that experience and sort of where you're at now. I mean, you, you somewhat described a little bit about what you were doing before, right? You were hustling, (laughs) you were hustling, you were, and then this trauma happened. And then, but I also feel like there's this, there was a layers of trauma that you've, that you've, um, are at peace with, you know, it was really the onset of your nephew. And then you've also sort of honored what has happened with, with relatives that have been in the boarding school and you know so honoring that and and you know so so it's not just that one incident I feel like you've really have um, worked on also just recognizing what has happened in the past as you tell a story as you tell the story um, at this time what else is sort of rising for you as you're talking about this spiritual awakening well, those are all great questions, Ricky. Um, yeah, so I think that as I've continued to carry on and find healing through um, the work that I do, one of the um, pieces that has given me a lot of life and healing uh, was being able to start my own consulting company, Quinn Consulting. And of course, now I've transitioned into um, a much larger role with Laguna Community Foundation and I feel so um, honored because I think that all these paths lead us to where we need to be in the moment and time that we need to be there and um, a friend recently was um, sharing with me how, how proud they were of me for this um, layer that exists within me that's not afraid to like jump to something new and so um I never had recognized it as fearlessness and I don't know if I'd call it that but I think um I'm always cognizant of wanting to be challenged wanting to take on the next level whatever that looks like but what has given me peace through this um journey has been my continued lifelong pursuit of giving back to our communities through scholarship and through philanthropy and in my spare time I serve on the board for the National Native American Boarding School Healing Coalition based out of Minneapolis, Minnesota. And I have been a part of the board since 2018, and it has just 
um, allowed me to connect with so many uh, individuals who are descendants of survivors from Carlisle. And I can't help but think when we're in these forums where we're sitting together, whether it's at a conference or we're, um, you know, sharing a meal together, that our ancestors, our relatives were probably doing the same thing back at Carlisle. And so even though some of these folks come from all across the United States, from Alaska to Wisconsin to Arizona to Florida, it just brings me so much peace to know that these degrees of separation that we have, that at one point our ancestors were actually connected in um, the same way. Additionally, I also serve on the New Mexico-based Native American Relief Fund. And the NARF, as we call it for short, uh, began in April 2020 as a response to the coronavirus pandemic. And it's just been so um, exciting and such an honor to serve within the capacity of an advisor um, upon this committee along with my colleagues who I learned so much from every single time that we gather together virtually. And I think it's the ultimate um, experience or opportunity to be able to give back to our communities when and where the state and feds have fallen short in providing aid to um, tribes, pueblos and nations uh, here in New Mexico. And so, um, it feels like it's healing work and medicine work in its own unique way. Um, but yeah, I just, I feel really grateful and I, I feel like those pieces are, are my healing. And I always strive for what is the next thing for me? Where am I going to continue to level up? What's next? And I feel like I, I can't answer, um, you know, where the end chapter is going to lie or what it's going to look like. Um, there's always something that's going on for me and for my family and for my community. And so I just see so much ahead as well. I, I love, I love that the level up and um, not knowing, but I, as I was listening to you, when I asked the sort of this, you know, what else is sitting with you as you tell the story? Because sometimes I feel that when we tell our story, uh, there are new ahas that happen or new revelance or light on something that maybe uh, that you didn't recognize or or still are still working through, right? But as I listened to you, I really just so, sort of caught that it's several things that you're talking about in terms of this spiritual reawakening for you is that what's really important is this giving back you know this giving back and 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 providing offerings and sort of uh, you you you're doing all these things and also um challenging yourself and really taking time to reflect and sort of understanding and and connecting is you know and uh, as I was kind of you know hearing you tell the story those are things those are the words that you know bubbled up for me and it made me think about you know, what's, what's, um, when we're talking about grounding and being spiritually, uh, um, you know, um, 
I don't want to say grounded, but, you know, strengthening, I guess, strengthening or just being in that space of connectedness is that it's a fine, um, it's a balance, you know, it's, it's balancing all these things. And when we're off, you know, when we're off and we're in that, um, place of needing healing, you know, it, those things that I rattled off, uh, you know, we're not doing something. We're not, maybe we're not doing, um, offerings in, in ways that we should, or we're not reflecting enough. We're not connecting, uh, enough, or we're not maybe even giving back, you know, maybe you've gained so much, right. From, from, um, spirit and universe and creator, you know, our relatives, our ancestors, they've, they're there with us and they're guiding us, um, the best way that they can. And, you know, when, when do we give back, you know? And so I'm hearing all these elements and that it's, it's a give and take sort of thing. And, um, and that, and it does help with the sort of healing and the healing work that needs to be done. So I don't know if you had any reactions to, to, to that. Yeah, definitely. I think, um, you know, it also makes me think about what you had shared, um, that you had read somewhere about something about, um, the matriarchy. And I was thinking back to what did I write or where was it at? Um, but recently there was a, a post that was shared, um, and a quote from me. And the quote was, I rise because I am the seeds of the matriarchy. The time is now to honor Native women. And I say that because I think that in the construct of our public communities and how Spanish colonial institutions has shifted our ways of um, coming to the table in terms of the roles that we carry as women and the, the honor that we have in being able to carry out these roles as mothers, as caretakers, as aunties, and... I think about, um, you know, my mother, whom I've shared a lot with um, about today. And I think that, you know, it, it's kind of scary for me to to have my own sort of reality check that I'm matriculating into some of these roles, that there are things that my mother can no longer do um, because she's up there in age. And I am so thankful that you know, she has taught me those things. And so when I say matriarch, it, it doesn't come without all of the credit that needs to be given to my mother and to my grandmothers and to aunties and all of the other women that are part of my life who have taught me and, and shown me how to walk on a good path. And I think about how... Um, in today's world, we're so busy with trying to just make it through the day. What's for dinner? You know, did we wash the clothes? Did we, um, you know, get gas in the car? Like all these things that we're constantly trying to juggle as parents, um, as daughters and, and sons and as employees. And I think sometimes we lose a little bit of the value that we can take every single day to give gratitude for what we have and how um, we have received those kinds of blessings. And I think that to Carlisle, you know, it was 
those carrying of prayers that has invoked this new chapter of my life and um, the role that I carry in my community as a teacher, as a leader, as somebody who's always willing to share knowledge because I think that um, in some of our indigenous communities, I see this gatekeeping of knowledge that happens and it's the same thing that happens in academia. It's the same thing that happens in philanthropy. It's like, I know and you don't have to know or I have and you don't have to have. I'm going to make it hard for you to um, earn or learn this. And I never want to be that kind of auntie or mother um, in any of those aspects. I have always considered myself as a very giving person. And I think that I can attribute the blessings that I have today um, back to the way I am and the way my heart is. My heart space is to give back, it's to share, it's to um, enlighten others to believe that they have the power within themselves and to um, always walk on that good path and put it out in the universe and it's going to happen. And I think, you know, a lot of this spiritual reawakening has been also because I've continued to pray about, you know, what is my higher purpose? What is um, the next thing for me? How can I give back more? How can I contribute um, whether it's from a research or scholarly standpoint, or how can I, in my current role as executive director at the Community Foundation, how can I generate resources so that I can plant those seeds back into the community? And when we have that at the forefront, and we wear that on our our um, our heart space and always keeping it in in good um, intention, the momentum happens organically. And so um, I think that that is another uh, a tip, I guess you could say, that I would share with the listeners as well. I love that. Momentum happens organically. Any final comments, tips that you want to share with our listeners? Um, based on your story and, and sort of where you're at right now. And, and I know you don't know where you're going to go forward yet, but just, I know you're always thinking of something. <laughs> yeah. Always thinking of something, always um, laying out a plan, a to-do list, all of those things. Yes. Um, for, for those of you that know me, I'm like always on like the next, thematic layer of planning out where I'm going and um, I know you know this topic is really deep and again it can be heavy at times but just being able to find joy and light in some of the work that we do and so um, I think that you know when we move forward and we try and plan and um, look at what the next chapter for ourselves is going to look like um, I'm always really grateful for folks in my circle um, who aren't afraid to ask me, you know, those questions like, what is the next chapter for you? Or what is your life like, you know, after experiencing all this, as, as you've done today, Ricky, and 
Um, another thing that I'm reminded of is that one of my mentors recently asked me what my manifesto for actionable change was. And I went back to ask myself, well, you know, how do you quench the thirst for learning? And does that ever go away? And does the need to help our communities ever go away? And I think that the short answer is no. Um, for me, that next chapter uh, is through the work that I'm doing now in philanthropy and as a doctoral student and as a mother. I'm eager to continue to research uh, epigenetics and especially like the, the aspect of how the brain rewires itself to allow for healing. And to also look at how COVID has shifted um, customary law as we know it in our public communities. And it's allowed for uh, women to represent in these leadership narratives in different ways, especially um, one of the things that I've seen during the past several months um, that has been very enlightening to me is the centering of women in all of these spaces where we're not only like the organizers, we're the ones that are doing the cooking and taking it to our relatives and or giving it to um, unsheltered relatives and we're sewing masks and we're sitting on funders briefs to share with them the impact. And one of the questions that I always hear in these um, uh, philanthropic spaces is, well, you know, how come it's so bad and why is it like this, you know, in, in Indian country? And I think, you know, going back to what some of my revelations were in the beginning of this interview about how federal Indian law and policy has continued to affect our communities. These are ripple effects that we are seeing magnified in a new way through a different magnifying glass. And so being able to center ourselves spiritually, mentally, physically during this time um, has been really exciting to see that unfold and I think that we're stepping into these traditional roles that we've always had but it's just these frameworks of um, colonialism that we're sort of shifting away from in many ways and we've been doing that for some time but I think COVID has allowed for a different layer of it and so like I said I always try to look to um, you know what's the teaching lesson in this and it's it's tragic and it's been very devastating to many I've personally lost um, immediate family to this and so it's just um, been hard um, I lost my uh, uncle on my father's side so my um, dad's brother in July and you know I think about how how will we recover from this and the only way that I can think of Finding that healing is going back to, um, you know, grounding ourselves spiritually, regrounding ourselves. And I would say some final tips that I would give our listeners would just be to remember the power that you hold within yourself. And remember that power that also is within our medicine. And I realize that um, our listeners are from all across Turtle Island, so Whatever resonates with you, practice that, even if it's just um, for a few minutes out of your day, ground yourself and remind yourself of the resiliency that's embedded in our 
lineages and this staying grounded to faith and, and being able to practice gratitude every day in any way you can and that these roles that we're called into whether it's mother father teacher lawyer um, doctor philanthropist scholar all of the above remember that you have the power to be grounded and to carry out your role in the universe and don't be afraid to put out your prayers into the universe because you might be really surprised with how um it'll be answered and I would say for me I just feel super blessed that those prayers that I carried uh to Carlisle allowed for this beautiful spiritual reawakening and it's only the beginning for me so I can't wait to see where this will continue to um take me so Mm. thank you very much Vicky it's been an honor oh thank you so much it's a beautiful tips I as you were talking, I could, I could feel my Nelly right here by me. <laughs> my Nelly is my grandmother on my dad's side. I actually have a little picture of her right here when I'm doing these. Just, um, and I could hear her say everything that you're saying, literally mm-hmm. in her in her language. You know, mm-hmm. she says it's up to you. It's it's you, you know, and and um, to give gratitude. Our our relatives, our elders. They did that every day. The moment they woke up to the moment they go to sleep, constantly gratitude throughout the day and, um, you know, and offerings. So thank you so much for sharing your beautiful story. I'm excited to see what's going to unfold as you're saying this is just the beginning. And I'm one of your cheerleaders. I'll be like, go, Joni, go. Mm, I love it. Thank you, Vicky. <laughs> yes, thank you so much for being here. And I look forward to um, next year when we, you get to take me fly fishing. So hopefully we'll be in a whole That's different right. place. That's right. It's going to happen. Yeah. We're um, going to swing some arrows too. So. <laughs> awesome. <laughs> well, thank you so much. Have a wonderful day and blessings to you. Blessings to you as well. Thank you so much, Miss Jackson.